Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy. We are on the road to rural prosperity today, once again, with guest host A.J. Griffin. A.J. is going to be talking with Charles Danley, the Chief Executive Officer at the Grand Lake Mental Health Center. They offer mental health services in 13 counties in northeastern and north-central Oklahoma. And under the leadership of Charles Danley, they've delivered innovative solutions to mental health care in rural areas of our state. Our journey along the road to rural prosperity being powered today by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association, a nonprofit organization whose purpose is to assist water and wastewater systems in Oklahoma with day-to-day operational and management problems. They also provide a voice in legislative and regulatory issues to these systems. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association, we thank them for helping support the road to rural prosperity. And we're back today with A.J. Griffin and Charles Danley in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Well, welcome to another episode of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm A.J. Griffin. I'm going to be bringing you some more information today on today's show about rural health care. That's the area of focus, and I'm ecstatic to introduce our listeners to a very important person to the state of Oklahoma, the CEO, Executive Director of Grand Lake Mental Health Center, Charles Danley. Welcome to the show, Charles. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Well, I know how important your um, agency is to rural Oklahoma, and I'm very excited to make sure that our listeners understand what's available in uh, mental health services in rural Oklahoma and how that's going to contribute to the future of rural Oklahoma and improving the prosperity in that area. So tell me, we'll start by telling me about the agency itself, Grand Lake Mental Health Center, but that that title doesn't defini- definitely uh, describe all that you do. No, it does not. In fact, uh, many times people will say where I work, and they say, oh, you live you live on the lake. And I say, no, it used to be called another name, and then they changed it. And uh, so actually it was uh, from 1979 uh, through part of the block grants way back when, like with uh, – uh, Red Rock and those other community mental health centers, and that's where we came from, and we've grown tremendously since then. We have a volunteer board of directors. Some of them you know, uh, Senator Rick Littlefield and uh, Tad Jones are on the board, and uh, other volunteers for uh, that area. So we have uh, started off with uh, seven counties 
in uh, northeast Oklahoma, Washington, Nowata, Craig, Ottawa, Rogers, Mays, and Delaware. And my history was, before I, I went there, I was working in Oklahoma City for the Oklahoma County Juvenile Justice System, where we had a wide array of services in, a, in Oklahoma City. And I had knew the phone numbers and who to call and how to get things done. And when I went to rural, uh, I would ask questions about where is this or where is that. So I learned very quickly that if you're going to get something done, you have to collaborate with others and or create it yourself and make it work. Charles, how long have you been with Grand Lake Mental Health Center? In February, it'll be 28 years. I have one staff member that's been there 40 and the agency is 40 years old. So for, for four decades now, been providing mental health treatment um, to to the citizens of rural Oklahoma. What kind of changes have you seen oh. in access to mental health treatment? Well, it, it's changed dramatically. Uh, in the early days, it was if somebody came out of Eastern State Hospital, keep them from going back. It was very focused on persons with severe uh, emotional disturbances or se- severe and persistent mental illness. And at some point, I think you were probably involved in that, that said, hey, we need to go upstream and start working with people before uh, the, the illness sets in. So now uh, what used to be a community mental health center day-to-day business is now very robust with uh, pork uh, program that we're involved in right now, a demonstration program. We're part of the uh, Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinics, and that happened a few years ago. So, uh, but Grand Lake Mental Health has been there uh, to serve the community, and in through the years with the demands and with new technology, we have we've embraced it. I happen to love gadgets. Uh, had a cell phone, one of the first cell phones for the agency. They made fun of me and said I was trying to be uppity, and there was no need for that. And now I think everybody on the planet has one of those, particularly where I work. We're going to talk about a lot about technology and how technology in healthcare and in mental health care is, is the, the wave of the future and how we're going to level the playing field and access between the urban areas and the rural areas and really focus on that. We're going to talk about that in the second half of the podcast, okay. but let's continue to talk about your agency. I know you're in all of those counties, so what are some of the communities that you can find um, one of your your uh, front doors? Front so doors in Ottawa County, uh, in Miami, Oklahoma's front door, uh, and also in that county is a location in Afton, Uh, Afton, Oklahoma, so we have a a, a place there. In Grove, we have three sites uh, right now. Uh, We've been fortunate enough to, this is recent, but the uh, Cherokee Nation, through the Principal Chief Hoskins, has uh, leased us their old uh, hospital services there in Jay with a 25-year, 50-year lease at a dollar a year. So that's that's new. That's opening soon. And then we have in, uh, let me make sure that I'm looking at the map so I don't forget anything. Mm-hmm. So that's Ottawa and that's Delaware. In Mays, we have uh, just started, uh, it's in prior Oklahoma, and we've started a new program there, but we'll talk about the future in a minute. And then in Craig County, uh, we have two locations, or actually one, but provide multiple services there. In No Water, we just opened a clinic there uh, about a, six months ago. And in Rogers County, we have uh, two sites there. And in Washington County, we have two sites there. 
So that's all of the far northeast corner, but you've got some others that are kind of spread out into north-central Oklahoma as well. Yes, we uh, were uh, – the community mental health center that was in that area went out for bid, and that's in Kay, Osage, Noble, Pawnee, and Payne. So now we're also – in those counties as of July the 1st. We were actually there in three of the cities before doing health home, a health home concept, and now we've... So you mentioned a terminology there, community mental health centers, but you're not the only community mental health centers across Oklahoma. There's an an entire network that that ranges, serves all every single county in Oklahoma, correct? Yes, community mental health centers serve uh, probably 15 of us, uh, serve every county in the state of Oklahoma. And the certified community behavioral health concept involves uh, two other community mental health centers in the state of Oklahoma, Red Rock and North Care. So uh, if we look at the landscape of mental health treatment, there should be access, um, and maybe it's not in your own hometown, but everywhere in Oklahoma you, you will find an entry point into the mental health treatment system. Yes, yes, ma'am. We, there should be uh, an entry point in every county. If not, where you run into some challenges is the, the county is so small, uh, it may be a satellite location, and... Uh, may need to drive in for services. Well, that's typical of all uh, all healthcare treatments in rural Oklahoma. Sometimes the uh, transportation can be the biggest challenge, but there are other challenges when we talk about mental health, um, not just in rural Oklahoma, but you know, you've been in this business now for nearly four decades um, and have seen a lot of changes in the stigma that surrounds um, receiving treatment for for the. A part of our bodies that are pretty important. You know, it's amazing how we don't think anything about going to see a cardio- cardiologist to, to treat our heart, but um, it, but going to see someone who can help you treat your brain uh, is a, a little more challenging for some people. But you've seen some changes. Where do you think we are whenever you look at mental health and the stigma or the 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 challenge that people have in going to receive those treatments right now? Well, I think the 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 the, uh, the myth is still there that uh, people with mental illness are going to hurt you, which is far from the truth. And uh, stigma is still alive today. I think it's getting better. Uh, I think the media, meaning TV shows or movies that uh, do disfavor to individuals with health issues is, uh, is uh, damaging. And uh, I think that's a challenge for everybody that's listening and everybody in the state of Oklahoma to treat people with dignity and respect. I mean, the illness is second. The person is first who has an illness. Uh, So when we say uh, that a a person, we don't say to a person, hi, are you the heart attack victim? Uh, We say, what's your name and how's your health? And some people are forthcoming with that, you know, uh, my name is Charles Danley. I have chronic mental illness or I have chronic health issues uh, and my treatment is such and such and so and so. So uh, I think that we need to talk more about it, get more interested in it, and come up with uh, alternatives for uh, treatment. Well, and while we're talking about that, let's discuss um, substance abuse. Um, if we look at the statistics in some of our counties, um, we've got some counties that are facing some real challenges, and access to treatment to to treat that disorder as well has kind of been been spotty over the years. But we're seeing some improvements in that area as well. I, I think yes, and we, uh, in fact, 
you know, I'm not, maybe not supposed to talk about this right now, but we uh, also uh, hired a director of special programs to, to address substance abuse, to address Narcan, to address Suboxone, to address... Now, now, uh, now, Marcan, Narcan and Suboxone, you're going to have to okay. explain that. Uh, <laughs> you're, <no>. <laughs> we're speaking a language that someone <laughs> may not understand, but I know that's really important, especially um, Narcan would never uh, rule law enforcement sure. um, have access to that. So tell yeah. us about that. Well, if my memory serves me correctly, you were instrumental in uh, getting a law change that if somebody comes into a residence where people are partying and the person has overdosed or at least is unresponsive and they can use a Narcan kit to help that person survive, get to the ER. So that's what I'm talking about. That Narcan is a, it's an inhalant, I believe. So if someone's suffering from a an overdose of any kind, you can use Narcan to treat that to treat that person, and you can, in essence, stop death. Yes, and I I think uh, I'm relying upon a memory now. I think we've distributed that to all the law enforcement in our respective areas, and anybody else, the fire departments or whatever. And uh, to my knowledge, there's been 16 lives that have been changed been saved because of that. Ironically, I have a, a, an acquaintance, actually a friend of mine, a young man who serves as a sheriff's deputy in a, a, a in Logan County. He was telling a story that in the, the span of one month, he used and saved two individuals with Narcan just while he was out and in his patrol as a sheriff's deputy. So we know that that program is working. It's very effective. But it's a small piece of a lot of things that are going on. Yes. Around substance abuse, um, you know, we We've, we've had some challenges, and we've had some numbers uh, that led the nation in opioid deaths uh, for a while, but we've, that's also an area we're seeing some real turnaround. Seeing some turnaround with that. The treatment uh, for, uh, let's say, benzodiazepines addictions as well as alcohol. Uh, Suboxone is a medication that we use for uh, outpatient detox. When I say outpatient, instead of going into a hospital and spending a period of time, uh, we can actually do that on an outpatient basis. The dog... Docs have signed up to special training and special certification to do that, and we have staff docs that are doing that. The person comes into the clinic, and they select clinics, and they do that, and they can be detoxed off of those medications or off of those abuses, even though some of them may be uh, prescribed, but still the abuse level is high. So at a typical day um, at Grand Lake Mental Health Center, now we know that you, you're one of a network of community mental health cedar, uh, centers that, that provide service in all 77 counties across the state. You have uh, locations in all of northeastern and north central Oklahoma. But in a typical day, um, the therapists and the professionals that work in those offices, what are they doing? What kind of, what kind of issues are they seeing? And what are those, those large challenges that we are, we're dealing with in, in and eastern and and southeastern and northwestern and north central Oklahoma. Yeah, it, that's an excellent question. And on a typical day, we might serve in those twelve counties. Uh, hate to even guess, but a large number of people that could be coming in. So they're going to be coming in from a wider range of services, from a medication appointment to a nurse's appointment to a therapy appointment to therapy appointment for services, case management. Uh, which would be services of that nature. And then we also have a heavy uh, load of 
recovery support specialist. Peer recovery support specialist. Okay, so peer recovery support specialist. What? What? What's that? That's a good question. The peer recovery support person, peer recovery support specialist, is a person who has volunteered to say, "Look, I have issues. I have either substance abuse issues or mental health issues, and I am willing to do that and go to a week of training, and come out from there and be able to help others." And I think the last I checked, we had about 160 of those on staff, which is huge because uh, we were uh, actually fortunate enough to have some of our executives team members say, look, we want to be trained in that, and we want to be certified peer recovery support specialists. So I have a, a large number of administrators that are also on board with that. So it's a, if you have a, a struggling family and mom and dad are trying to, to, to keep things together, and so they would go see their peer recovery support specialist that just helps them walk through their issues and yes. provides that, that support. But the key to that is that it's right there at home. Yes, the key is, the, is a team effort. Uh, one thing that I learned a long time ago is you can't ride the horse by yourself. This is not a one-show experience. This is a team experience with docs, with nurses, nurse practitioners, therapists from multitudes of backgrounds, uh, including uh, licensed alcohol and drug counselors, and people with a bachelor's degree in the behavioral health services, and recovery support specialists. A person that has been there, seen that, and done that, uh, is very valuable to someone that walks in the door that, that's afraid uh, of the stigma, that's afraid of the, quote, system, unquote. It's been bad to them uh, in some respects. And a recovery support specialist could down, sit down and say, look, I've, I've been there. I've done that. I was a patient here. And let me tell you about what's going on and what you can expect. It's very, very valuable. Very, very valuable and sounds like something that completely fits with the values of rural Oklahoma, where we're, uh, we're helping neighbors. Neighbors helping neighbors. That's it. Neighbors helping neighbors. You're listening to Charles Danley, the executive director, CEO of Grand Lake Mental Health Center. Um, going to have to take a little break here, Charles, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what makes Grand Lake Mental Health Center an example for the way rural mental health services can can be provided all across the state of Oklahoma. Not just that, but an example that the rest of the company, the entire country, should be following. We know that in order for rural Oklahoma to be prosperous, we have to have healthy citizens, and that means their mental health um, needs need to be met as well. We're going to discuss that right after this little break um, from our sponsors. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. 
Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Well, welcome back to the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm A.J. Griffin, and I'm sitting with Charles Danley, the CEO of Grand Lake Mental Health Center. We're going to continue our conversation about Grand Lake Mental Health Center and access to mental health treatments in rural Oklahoma. First half, we talked a little bit about the agency and kind of the lay of the land when it comes to uh, our rural citizens accessing treatment for their mental health and substance abuse issues that may have in their family. But there are things about the way you all are conducting services that make Grand Lake um, a leader. Uh, the innovation and the, uh, the embrace of technology kind of leads that. Doing some really creative things and, and I would almost call them cutting edge for mental health treatment. Tell me about that, Charles. And you think about this. You've been in this business for nearly four decades and you're leading in innovation. So I'm going to say I'm really proud of you. You aren't. A, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I don't know that many people that have been doing doing things for 40 years are usually the leaders in, in innovation. But you are. Well, thank you, A.J. I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to that. I, I must say that it's not me, per se, that's making all those things happen. First of all, it starts with the board, very informed, very, very flexible, uh, willing to try new things, willing to say, are you serious? And we say, sure, let's give it a shot. So that starts with that, and then it starts with an innovative team around us. And what happened about three years ago, maybe four, uh, we're also members of the National Council on Behavioral Health. And so because we were using such innovative techniques, we run the National Award for Innovations in Technology. And that amounted to using telemedicine, telepsychiatry for individuals. And that blossomed into using what's now called grand care. It's gone from using a tablet or an iPad for services uh, to individuals. And then, as you know, uh, in rural areas, law enforcement uh, are, are few and far between. You know, look at Nowata County. I think they've got, uh, uh, you know, limited numbers of officers on duty 24-7 in the middle of the night. And they would have to go to a place, and many counties do, have to go to the emergency room to get a medical clearance before they could go someplace. Well, through this technology and the development of that through time, we have approximately 850 iPads slash tablets to law enforcement in 12 counties. Say that again, 850. Eight, it's probably more than that now. 850 tablets slash iPads. Okay, so that deputy has in their tr in their truck or in their, their patrol vehicle, they've got an iPad. Okay, what do they do okay, with that? Okay, so it's, say it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and this actually happened in Pahuska. A uh, police officer was driving down the road, had somebody in the back of the squad car, and there was an individual laying in the middle of the road, uh, obviously suicidal, wanting somebody to run over them. Okay. And in the past, so the, the person actually said, uh, what are you doing there? He said, oh, I want somebody to kill me. I want somebody to shoot me in the head. 
And because they had just received that technology two days before, he called for a backup. The man came out, and the man that was there had the iPad, the police officer. He said, what would have taken us 12 hours, 8 to 12, to find a mental health professional, either the doc or wherever, to make this decision? We did it in 26 minutes. Wow. We did it in 26 minutes with this tool. So that sheriff's deputy picked up his iPad, used it to directly connect with a provider. Yes. Well, were they standing there on the side of the road still, or had they gone gone to the probably taken them to the, the sheriff's department, I would assume? Yes. I, th- I think they did put them in the back of the squad car, okay. took them in, and connected with us. We have Now, the key to that, the iPad per se, is not the answer. Right. It is the connectivity to what we call an intensive outpatient center that was created in collaboration with the Department of Mental Health and us. And uh, the first one was in uh, Vanita. It dropped our inpatient hospitalization rate from 1,100 to, in last year, to one for inpatient psychiatric care. So, so, so let me, let's reiterate that. So before this technology was implemented, 1,100 people had to be had been taken to a facility. Taken to a, a, an emergency a hospital. hospital. Okay. A hospital. Now, that doesn't include the ones that went to the ER in the first place that got screened and maybe screened okay. out. These were people that were actually admitted to an inpatient psychiatric unit. And we started this technology in Craig County first. Uh, through the great cooperation of the sheriff there and the law enforcement. And then uh, it grew and grew. And then through time, we found out that not only is that of a benefit to law enforcement, let's have one of these given to and assigned to a a person that comes into our crisis unit, our, our intensive outpatient center. So people are actually given a unit, if they want one, to take home with us. So that individual at two o'clock in the morning who is as their episode because mental health services and psychiatric care isn't from eight to five it's 24 7 365 at three o'clock in the morning and the person i'm talking about particularly is in the southern part of delaware county who uh, woke up everybody at two o'clock and now instead of police having to go neighbors having to call law enforcement that individual can push a button and direct correct connect directly with staff out of 24-7 unit. So it sounds like, the number one, it's a much better situation for the, the persons in need of treatment. Um, you know, I know that we've struggled for years with law enforcement sitting in waiting rooms and emergency rooms for hours and hours and hours. It's not good, obviously not good use of the officer's time, and it's not good for the person that, that, that needs treatment when they may just need to speak with their therapist. So, And the cost savings have got to be, to the state, have got to be significant. We estimate that, yes, thank you. The, we just rough estimate of $350,000 uh, a year uh, in the first seven counties. I was in a meeting yesterday with a senator that we mentioned earlier and a representative and uh, with one of our board members, Pat Darlington, and she said a quote that this is just Payne County. This service is serving because now that – IOC intensive outpatient center that was in that is to continues to be in Venita. We just opened one last month in uh, Stillwater. She estimates that the savings alone for transportation for that county is four hundred thousand dollars. That's a good chunk of change. Plus, they're able to do their jobs and be out on the street. And if you think about it, 
then what is the savings to the hospitals that are receiving everyone that came in who in a mental health crisis and sometimes in an emergency room it's a triage so it's the one that's the worst off gets treated first so that person may be sitting there quite a while and if there's not enough room they may take up an intensive care unit to bed uh, when we can do that in a short, reasonable period of time, and the application that we have now, uh, it's actually the parent company of that is called uh, MyCare, and they they just rolled out another version Friday. What is today? Monday, Tuesday? I don't even know what day of the week. It, it'll be whatever the yeah, day is. The, it'll be whatever day it was. Podcast, so. <laughs> they just rolled out this so, newest model. So very that, soon, like technology happens, we've got an update. Yes, coming. got an update. And I just read an email before we came in that says make sure that everybody has turned them on and turned them back off because this new one will, will not only have their treatment plan, but it'll have uh, cognitive behavioral things for them to do. It will have buttons where they can push to the therapist, to the nurse, to the recovery support specialist, or at the bottom will be the crisis 24 7 365 so just employing that technology number one it it's good that's instead of taking the person to the treatment we're taking the treatment to the person uh-huh. and it allows those therapists to to kind of be everywhere in essence sound like larry smith we're taking we're taking services to them instead of them coming to us and uh, we expect to have uh, most of those deployed uh, to all of the people that we serve uh and we're really excited about that. You know, and if, if, if these technologies in northeastern Oklahoma, where the population's a little more dense, more dense than if we look at western Oklahoma, but can you see the? I can see the great advantages in western Oklahoma for those residents that live. You know, they may live hundreds of miles from the close, closest treatment facility. They may live um, 60, 75 miles. And, for away from the closest therapist and so i uh, can see this being a model that's going to be replicated in fact that would be my next question is this something that you see other community mental health centers in oklahoma embracing and utilizing we we've had every community mental health center in the state of oklahoma come to visit with us except maybe one uh and i'm not sure about that so yeah they're looking at the concept of the intensive outpatient center as well as uh, the tablets to serve people serve individuals law enforcement and the and that i've spoken to in our respective area just think great scott this is the best thing since soda pop because it saves them so much time well let's talk, talk a little bit too about just how the individual treatment part you mentioned that that you can have individual patients that you provide a device and allow them to connect directly to their therapist what are the advantages of having that if you've got let's say you have someone who's suffering with from a chronic illness and, a, and has a, di- a diagnosis of, of maybe depression and they're living in in rural uh, Adair County um, how would that look in 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 the future that's an excellent question and uh the challenge of continuing mental health services is access 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 by having an ipad by having a tablet to be able to connect when they want to visit when they want to talk uh, allows that person to be in control of their life instead of us trying to control them. Uh, that's a big factor. I used to work a lockup facility in my younger age, and th- there were always challenges. People wanted to get out. When we start treating people with dignity and respect and saying, what would you, how can we help you? How can we help you as a family? Because we not only work with individuals, but we work with the entire family system from infant mental health to geriatric mental health on an outpatient basis. 
Let's talk a little bit more about the future. What do you see coming down the, the pike in the next few years? How are a service delivery going to continue to morph um, in the mental health realm, and especially in rural areas? I think we'll see more uh, innovations in technology, uh, getting better, getting better. Uh, I wish we had an airplane that flew over that had 5G connection uh, <laughs> for southern Delaware County and Colcord. Uh, so I see that happening more and more. Uh, you know, my, my, our son and daughter-in-law were in Sweden, and Internet connectivity is considered a right, not a privilege. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could there's some things that we could do to make it enhance it better for people for care. So I look for us to be able to provide services to more. Uh, less costly. I mean, this isn't this isn't a cheap adventure. And if you look at the hospital cost savings, and I'm not a numbers person, but the numbers that came out for doing this for hospital savings uh, was like six million dollars. Uh, that wasn't there. So with us. We not only can have the front door with law enforcement and with people in the community, we can provide the service, and then we can also do the discharge planning and come right back to us or wherever they want to go. So it's all in one-stop shopping because we also have uh, uh, medical personnel that can provide uh, health care, you know, blood pressure, things like that. So I look for it to get greater and more accepted. and I hope that we can. There's an, there's another one, but I, uh, that we, we will be able to serve right now. That passed that recent legislation about serving people in schools. Uh, we've been doing that for quite some time, but I hope they are able to pass it to where we can provide services to and children come home because that's when the most vulnerable time is from time school's out till parents get home. I can see some applications in, in some of the remote areas when we have kids that return from a stay in a in treatment facility and trying to keep them in school and keep that family working. Um, we had on as a guest uh, someone from Mercy Health Health System, and they one of the things they talked about is, is the importance of, treatment, of caregivers being able to continue to work. And if you are responsible for providing you know the care for a family member who has struggled that has a mental illness but you have to drive them to a treatment facility um, it makes it difficult to, to stay employed so yeah, stays a day off, yeah. day off work yeah. uh, where we can do that uh, it's not only a quality of life issue but it's also definitely an economic issue for rural Oklahoma as well yes ma'am sure is well I have certainly enjoyed visiting with you and learning more about innovations in mental health treatment Charles Danley the executive director and CEO of Grand Lake Mental Health Health Center. Um, but remember, that means Miami and Kansas and Stillwell and Pawnee and Stillwater. It's all of northeastern and north central Oklahoma. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Have a good day. If, as we continue the rural to rural prosperity, remember that um, the health of our rural citizens is a major determining factor for what happens to rural Oklahoma. And the next, um, as we start this, this 2020 year and we look to the future, um, in order to have a healthy and thriving workforce in all areas of the state, we've got to remember that their mental health is a part of their health and and focus on that. Ensure that we are remembering the importance of mind and body for the road to rural prosperity for Oklahoma. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, AJ. AJ Griffin, our guest host today, was Charles Danley, Chief Executive Officer of the Grand Lake Mental Health Center. Today's Road to Rural Prosperity powered by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. We'll see you soon.
along the road to rural prosperity. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.